Hello and welcome to the Brutal Iron Gym Podcast, where our goal is to cut through the BS and deliver the brutal truth about topics related to health and happiness. Today's podcast number 1,943, the topic is Q&A and the title is Trainer Education, How to Determine Why You're Not Building More Muscle. Pretty helpful to know. (laughs) Uh, One of my uh, clients is a, a business client, so we talk about business, we talk about their own personal development, we do weekly uh, virtual Zoom consultations. Now, before we had started working together, they started lifting, they were they were very lean at 155 pounds. And he said he worked really hard and he grew to 185, but he was kind of stuck there for like two years before he reached out to me. When we started working together, uh, I, I kind of changed up his training a little bit, changed up his food, and just this past Monday, he hit 200 pounds, and he's shredded. I mean, he could probably step on stage at any time. He's a very naturally lean person, but we fixed his food timing and some other issues, and now he's even leaner. So he's walking around at 200 pounds, dang near contest ready at all times. And in our conversation this week, since he hit me, he sent me that number that he hit 200 pounds, he, when we did our Zoom consultation, he kind of got to the question of, he goes, what did you do that I wasn't doing? And I was like, well, that's an awesome question. <laughs> so let's, let's explore that. So it led to the discussion about kind of what it takes in general to build muscle. Because he wanted to know not only just you know, to like, how was it able to solve for him, uh, like solve the issue, but he wants to know how he could do that for his clients. So he wants to be able to maximize these clients results in a sense, like if, if he ever ran into a client that was plateaued, like he was, he wants to know how they can build more muscle or what's preventing them from building the more muscle. So we talked about it and the kind of like summary of it is what you need to build muscles is a stimulus for new muscle. So the body needs to feel that the new muscle is necessary. You have to have the nutritional support to build the new muscle. And you have to have the recovery margin for the new muscles to be built. So I wanted to dive into that in today's podcast so we could identify the areas that have impact in building muscle, and then you can self-identify what areas you might be lacking in. You can address those, and then hopefully you can start to build more muscle if you are having a plateau or experiencing just frustration like he was. And now that he's been able to overcome it, it's just super exciting and he's re-motivated for training, and I would love for you to feel that same, same way. Okay. So let's look at it. The first thing we said was we need a stimulus for new muscle. Uh, A podcast that we've done in the past is podcast 1,437. Excellent podcast. I know I make the podcast, so I'm I'm quite biased. (laughs) But it's a great podcast. Um, It's about training, and it's titled Programming for Greatest Muscle Growth. So what I'm going to talk about in today's podcast is talked about in deeper details in podcast 1,437 in regards to training. If your podcast player does not go back that far, you can go to our website, www.brutalirongym.com. On our homepage, we have a podcast player that goes back 300 episodes. And then underneath that player are instructions on how to find older podcasts. So what we're looking for is we want to make sure that we have the correct amount of working sets 
per week. A working set is a set of effort, a bout of effort, that the body said, holy freaking crap, that was pretty stressful. It doesn't have to be to, like, all-out failure. It doesn't have to be, you know, hashtag beast mode or full sand or whatever the world. I have no clue what the, call, <laughs> the words are now. But you don't have to, you know, do it until you pop blood vessels in your face. It doesn't have to be that intense. Uh, those are helpful from time to time. Absolutely. Uh, but that is not a normal style of training. I would not do that every working set. But how intense is intense enough is you should finish the effort and the body said, I really didn't like that. <laughs> so maybe it was because the muscles are burning really bad and you're like, oh gosh, geez, a whiz. You know, and you're trying to like get rid of the burn somehow, trying to walk away from it, even though your body follows you when you walk away. <laughs> um, or you got out of it and it was so heavy that you're like, whew, I'm kind of glad I got away with that one. Like, I'm glad I didn't get hurt, glad nothing went bad. Everything kind of felt like super stressed, but I made it. So in a scale, if we're looking at an RPE, a rate of perceived exertion, that's a decent scale. Uh, I do use it with clients. Um, I really use whatever kind of makes sense for the client, but that is one that I've used. And the idea of that scale is like a scale of one to 10 of how hard something was. Nobody really talks about anything under five. Under five is like you're laying on the couch. So five is you're moving, but there's really no strenuousness to it at all. So you're just going for a stroll. Six and seven is, okay, I'm moving. Maybe I'm getting slightly out of breath. Things are starting to burn just a, a little, but I'm, I'm still totally fine. I'm still within what my body can actually do. Then when you start getting up around eight, your body's like, oh, whatever that was, I didn't really like that. And that's that crossover. So in my mind, like seven is, it challenges what my body can do, but my body's okay with it. Eight is my body said, I didn't like that. Whatever that was, I made it, I did it, but I didn't really like that. <laughs> and then nine is your body was like, that was horrible. Like, I'm glad we made it, but that was awful. Ten is you were on the edge of dying the entire time. And your body survived it, and it's like, we're never doing that again. That was horrible. That was the craziest thing ever. I'm surprised we made it. So ten is going absolute all out. Nine is you went the best you could, but you didn't risk technique breaking down at all. Then eight was, my technique was definitely solid, but that was really freaking miserable. I really pushed myself into a, a deep intensity. So the RPE scale that I would encourage people to use are eight, nines, and tens. You're going to be using eight and nines way more than tens, but... Dropping a 10 every now and then, trying to get, you know, the last hard set of an exercise in before you move to another movement, I'm, I'm totally all for that. So 8, 9s, 10s is kind of the intensity we're looking for. So that that's what we would call a working set. Now, how many of those you need per week per muscle group that you want to grow? Uh, research has shown that it's somewhere between 10 to 20 reps. Now, if you're, you know, if you have a muscle that responds really well, can you get away with 8? Sure. If you have a muscle that's absolutely atrocious <laughs> and never responds, might you need to be up towards the 20 or even a little bit more? Sure. You know, these are kind of, it's kind of like a spectrum, like a, uh, a range 
It's not like, you know, if you cross from 9 to 10, you immediately have gotten results now. Whereas 9 was a piece of crap effort and totally not worth any of your time. <laughs> like, it's nothing that extreme. Uh, but 10 to 20 is the is a recommendation that has shown to be pretty consistent across uh, multiple studies of how many intense efforts you need in a week for a muscle to grow. So... If I am happy with the size of my legs, but I want them to be, um, you know, more toned or shaped or feel athletic, but I don't really want them to be bigger, then maybe I only train them around 10. But I really want my shoulders and my upper back to grow, I'm going to crank those up to 20. So you can kind of play within those ranges, and depending on what muscle you want to be bigger compared to other muscles, depends on where you put them in the range. A muscle you want to grow slowly so other muscles can catch up, bottom of the range. The muscles you want to freaking catch up, top of the range. (laughs) So that's what we look for. Then uh, the time under tension, meaning we know the intensity we should have. We know the number of working sets. Now, what is the duration of the working set? In general, it's recommended to be between 20 to 40 seconds. Can you grow from under that? Absolutely. Can you grow from above that? Absolutely. But in general, the majority of your training should be between 20 to 40 seconds of bouts of effort. If you do under 20 seconds, you might need a few more bouts. Uh, So if you think of the research of 10 to 20 working sets, it is based around the 20 to 40 second time under tension-ish range. So if I know, okay, 15 sets of 30 seconds is good for growth, but let's say I'm only doing 10 second bouts. Well, then I might need 20 or 25. Whereas if I'm doing 60 second bouts, surprisingly, this is going to kind of, this is the first kind of asterisk or curveball of the day, you might still need more sets. So you would think, okay, if the time goes down, my sets got to go up. But if the time goes up, my sets can go down. No. And the reason why is as time goes up, the weight you're using has to go down. Therefore, the damage and, stim- and stress created in that session, in that bout of effort, is less. So, for example, um, if, if we're saying that I'm going to use very basic numbers because you and I aren't writing this down. There's no visual to it, so I'm trying to do this auditorily. I don't know if that's a word. But uh, if 30 seconds is the ideal... If we do less than 30 second bouts of stress, even though it would be heavier weight and it's very stressful in the body, the accumulated time of stress is low. So therefore you need more sets to add up to the accumulated time of stress that we would typically want. Now, if I go above 30 seconds and I have to use lighter weights in order to last longer, So if I do an exercise for 60 seconds, I will definitely be using lighter weight than an exercise that I would do for 30 seconds, right? Well, even though it's longer duration, the intensity has gone down. So I need more sets to bring the intensity up to where it would normally be. So when we go go heavier, we need more sets to bring up the volume. When we go lighter, we need more sets to bring up the intensity. So that's why... It's kind of that way, is if you go heavier, you need more total sets. If you go lighter, you actually still need more total sets. Okay, I think I explained that pretty well. (laughs) Um, Then, 
Uh, kind of the last thing we'll touch on for training is proper technique. If I want a muscle to grow, I have to ensure that that muscle is the one that's getting the bulk of the effort and getting fully maxed out. Uh, on our YouTube channel, I've started posting more videos. If you haven't checked it out, please do. Uh, I started posting more, uh, more videos. And one of them recently was how to grow like a, a bigger chest. And I talked about, uh, even there's another video talking about exercise pairings. That would be a good exercise, a good video to check out. And for example, doing chest flies before chest presses is a what's called a pre-exhaust technique. And what that ensures is my chest is more exhausted and more fatigued going into the presses. So therefore, when I do the presses, what dies the most during the presses will be my chest because it's coming into the movement already kind of pre-dead. <laughs> so I know my chest presses are going to be the full capacity of what my chest could manage. Therefore, my chest presses have maximized my chest growth stimulus. Let's say you do tricep press downs before presses. So you go crazy, get a couple good hard working sets of tricep press downs, and then you go do dumbbell chest press. What's going to die first? Your triceps. Your triceps will be dead and fatigued first in the chest presses, not your chest. So the chest press has now become a fully fatiguing, full growth stimulus for the triceps. So if I do chest flies before my chest press, the chest press is actually a full fatiguing chest exercise. If I do tricep press downs before my chest press, the chest press is a full fatiguing tricep exercise. So we have to make sure our exercise order is correct. We have to make sure our technique is correct. If I'm using other muscles to try to help aid the intended targeted muscle, I'm just actually prolonging how much work I have to do to get the muscle to grow. I don't want to cheat in my technique to try to get more weight because by cheating in the technique, I'm letting other muscles take away from the damage that's being created to the intended muscle. So therefore, I just have to do even more weight or even more sets and risk even more injury. So to cheat on your technique when your goal is muscle growth is 100% counterproductive. A difference is, for example, if you've ever heard of cheat curls, which Arnold Schwarzenegger made kind of like popular, is he cheated the concentric, but he let the eccentric portion be strict. Now, the eccentric portion is when the working muscle is extending. So eccentric starts with an E is extending, starts with an E. It's <laughs> a good way to remember it. The concentric is when the working muscle is contracting, so C and C. So the concentric portion of a movement, the contraction portion, actually does create damage, but not quite as much damage as the extension or the eccentric portion. So sometimes in order to create extra damage, somebody would cheat the concentric, but then they would be very strict during the eccentric. It's definitely a tactic you can use. You have to be a little careful, especially when you're really strong. You can actually tear the muscle. So you have to be very careful with that. But that's an example where you might hear somebody say cheating helps growth. That's very rare in very specific cases. But that's what we look for when we want to build muscle is in our training, do we have the proper per set intensity? Do we have the proper per set duration? And then based on those two things, do we have the proper per sets per week volume? And then do we have good technique? 
So those are all things I control within client programs. I write the exercises I want them to do, uh, which makes sure the exercise order is correct to make sure that each movement actually fully fatigues the intended muscle. I write the number of sets and I write the number of rep ranges. Like if I wanted to do 10 to 14 reps, I know what the time under tension for that's going to be. I know what the weight load will be. And then I know based on the other exercises within that workout and within the weekly program where we're at in our balancing of intensity and durations. So I control all of that for my clients. Now, some of my clients, especially my powerlifting clients, I actually write these specific weights I want them to use in their lifts because I know the intensity. And especially in that case, a lot of the powerlifters I work with, and I think this would be true of most powerlifters, they think more weight on the bar is better. And that's not always true. Absolutely not. Because the technique goes to crap. You overstress the body, the joints, the connective tissue, the CNS. So I write the weights for them because they would feel, if they're not lifting to the max each time, that they're leaving you know progress on the table, leaving results on the table. So I have to kind of regulate that for them being the coach. Uh, now, I know what it's like to be the athlete. <laughs> and that's always a tough little balance when I'm trying to coach myself. But when I'm coaching somebody else, it's easier for me to say, hey, you know, 405 is enough. You don't have to go to 440. Can you move 440? Hell yeah. Do we need to? Hell no. <laughs> 405 is good enough. So I'm very good at telling them what's good enough. And, uh, and that's actually what's optimal. Not 440 with slightly crap technique where we annoy the joints and all of a sudden the rest of the program and goes to crap. And then three weeks later, we wonder why we feel like crap, can't move anything, we're tired, and ever, all of our joints hurt. <laughs> so it's not that I'm asking them to do what's good enough. It's actually what's optimal. Um, so that's the kind of clarification there is I always want them to make the fastest and safest progress possible. Uh, so, for example, with my powerlifting clients, we don't do regularly scheduled deloads because I never push them in their programming enough to where they would need to take a whole freaking week off or like cut half of our volume for a whole week. That's insane. Uh, in my opinion, that's a waste of time. It's helpful when you're doing mass programming. So if you're following a program that a trainer would send to anyone else uh, and it's just based on like percentages. So do this for like three sets of this for 82.5%, then three sets of this at 85%. If that's what they're doing, then you definitely would probably need a deload week because it's going to be impossible for you to regulate that intensity yourself. But if you're getting personalized programming, there's no way in hell you should be doing a deload. Um, that's just my two cents. <laughs> um, but uh, So that's training. And again, you can listen to podcast 1437 to learn a little more there. Nutrition, what do you need to grow muscle? Protein, of course, but you also need sufficient carbs and fats. We're going to talk about that. Micronutrients and hydration. You actually need to drink some freaking water every now and then. <laughs> so protein, we know that one. Um, uh, I would hope <laughs> at this stage. Uh, protein is kind of the building blocks of of muscle tissue. So if I want to build a brick house, i got to have some bricks. <laughs> if I want to build some muscle, i got to have some protein. Uh, so... We definitely want to have that. The recommended range that is sufficient for growth, depending on the intensity of your training, uh, would is arguable, but somewhere between 0.8 grams to 1.2 grams per pound of body weight. Will you see people eat less than that and grow? Rarely. Will you see people eat more than that? Absolutely. 
Uh, often they're going to be chemically enhanced, so their protein, their rate of protein synthesis is going to be greater. So therefore, they can process 1.5 to even 2 grams per pound of body weight. But for most people, if you're not chemically enhanced and not to a significant degree, there are different types of enhancement, <laughs> uh, different levels of enhancement. Uh, 0.8 to 1.2 grams per pound of body weight going to be pretty good for most people listening to this. If you've maxed out your protein at 1.2 grams per pound of body weight and you're still not growing, look at the other elements before you start just keep pouring in more and more protein. Now, what we look for is the other elements is sufficient carbs and fats. I was guilty of this when I was younger. When I was younger, I ate nothing for two and a half years and wondered why I didn't grow. Surprise, surprise. Uh, it's because I was trying to lose body fat and I thought just doing exercise made muscles grow. I didn't realize that they needed a material to grow with. Um, I don't know how I thought that. Like looking at it now, I'm like, what the hell were you even thinking? Uh, it's like sitting there saying, I wish I had a house. And then you, <laughs> like you don't go get the materials to build the damn house. What are you talking about? It's like I was hiring workers, but I wasn't getting any building materials. So I had 10 workers, then 20 workers, then 30 workers, then 100 workers, but I never bought a damn brick. I can't buy, I can't build a brick house if I don't have any damn bricks. And when I was younger, man, I was putting in all the workouts. I've worked out every single day for over a year for multiple years. Um, there was not a shortage of workouts, but there was one hell of a shortage of food, so I got nothing because food is, is one of the components and one of the parts of the process of building muscle. So we have to make sure that our food supports the workouts. So another way of thinking of that is what I just alluded to there is if I want a brick house, I have to have bricks, but I also have to have workers to put those bricks into the shape of a house. Well, if all you're doing is working out, but you're not eating properly, you're just hiring more and more workers. Your overhead, your expenses on the body are going up, but you're not getting a house. Right? If you're not eating your bricks, <laughs> you're not getting a house. So we need protein because that builds the muscles. Like that's what the muscles are made of. And then we need the workouts. Now, why do we need sufficient carbs and fats? Well, the process of converting protein, dietary protein, over into muscle tissue requires caloric energy. So there's a lot of stuff in there about like ATP and blah, 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 blah. Um, so there's a lot going on internally when we consume food that has to be broken apart down to energy kind of molecules. And then those can be used for different things within the body. We're not going to get into that right now. Um, I love that stuff and I would love happily get into it another time. But I got a lot to cover here. So what I want to say about it is when we eat carbs and fats, they're broken down to energy. And then our body uses that energy to then convert the protein that we eat into muscle tissue. So we have to have the protein present because that's what gets converted over to muscle tissue. But we have to have sufficient carbs and fats so that way we can fuel that process. Now before we go on to the next part is... You might then say, okay, we know the proper protein was 0.8 to 1.2 grams of, per pound of body weight. And you can play with that a little bit more if you want. Uh, but what's the right amount of carbs and fats? 
If you go to our website, www.brewlaungym.com, you can go to free nutrition education. There's a document there titled Create Your Own Nutrition Program. And uh, paired with that document is a podcast that will teach you how many calories you need. And then also the timing of those calories and your protein is incredibly, insanely important. So you have to have calories, protein, and timing correct. Now, in general, you're probably going to be at minimum body weight times 13 in total calories. You're likely going to be more than that. Uh, So that would be kind of like the bottom ballpark is body weight times 13. If you're way below that, walk your way up. Don't just jump up to it. You'll hate life. You'll gain a bunch of water weight and you'll, you know, think I made you fat. I did not. (laughs) So uh, body weight times 13 and then you're going to move up from there. Now, body weight times 13 tells you total calories. You would subtract the calories from the protein that you're eating and the remaining calories you would eat in whatever mixture of carbs and fats you wanted. Doesn't, doesn't matter. So, carbs and fats and protein, we need sufficient amount of those and we can get growth. Next, we look at micronutrients. For the most part, unless you have some kind of nutritional disorder, unless you're only eating three foods all day, uh, you're not going to be like deficient in micronutrients. So you're not going to need a bunch of extra supplements. Uh, is a multivitamin genuine, like generally recommended? Yeah, it's probably a pretty good idea. You know, if you don't eat a, a wide variety of food, then a, micro, uh, a multivitamin, which has vitamins and minerals in it, would be probably a pretty good idea. Um, can you take other like supplements? You know, maybe vitamin D might be pretty good because people tend to be low in vitamin D. You could also look at, um, uh, it's, it's really just the rest of the supplements are aiding the process that if our training and nutrition are in place would take care of most of it. What I mean by that is I've had people ask me, should they drink amino acids, whether it's branch chain amino acids or essential amino acids uh, during the day if it, so that way they can ensure that protein synthesis is happening all day. Uh, since they're relatively cheap, is it is it a bad idea? No. Uh, it, you could do it. But if you're eating at proper timing, you wouldn't necessarily need them. But life, you know, always has its own idea. <laughs> and we can't always be perfect with the timing of things. So if we are sipping on amino acids throughout the day, could it make some percentage of benefit? Sure. Uh, for the cost, eh, you know, it's up to you. It depends on what your budget is. I do actually drink essential amino acids from NutriCost because, number one, I like the flavor. I don't like the taste of water. Uh, It's weird, I'm sure, to some people. But I don't like the taste of water. So I drink uh, Fruit Punch essential amino acids by NutriCost because they're cheap and they make water taste good. (laughs) And I would rather have a protein element into my flavoring than some artificial sugary stuff or anything else. If I'm going to flavor my water with something and I have the chance to flavor it with protein, hell freaking yeah, I'm going to do that. Um, But I don't do it because I think it's going to help me build more muscle as much as I don't like the taste of water. I wanted something that made water taste better. And then, oh, hey, I can make water taste better and possibly build more muscle. Yes, please. So that's why I take that. You can look at other supplements like creatine. That would be, you could, technically, I guess you could call that a micronutrient because it's a, a component that you need for uh, energy. And yeah, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, meaning there's a lot more to it, but that's good enough. So 
Creatine is really cheap. Creatine monohydrate, you don't need the other fancy ones. Creatine monohydrate has been researched out the wazoo. It's shown to be pretty effective for most people, and it's really cheap. So you throw that in. It can help with making sure that you have enough micronutrients floating around to perform well in workouts. Um, Sometimes people talk about uh, post-workout. Do you need to supplement with uh, glutamine and uh, leucine? You can. Uh, There's a lot of, like, little supplements here and there that you can use but for the most part if you have proper protein sufficient carbs and fats and taking a multivitamin you're probably pretty good so that covers pretty much everything the next thing is hydration it's helpful to be hydrated so your body has enough water to do all the processes that it wants to do throughout the day. Uh, anytime our body converts something or does something, it pretty much uses water. So we want to make sure we're consuming fluid throughout the day. Uh, general recommendation is 0.5 to 1 ounce per pound of body weight. You definitely should be in that range, if not you know, as up in the size you can. So for myself, I probably drink between 3 to 4 liters of water a day. Uh, and I feel like that's totally great. I weigh 285 pounds, so that gives you a recommendation there or like something to think of. But nutritionally, that's what we're looking for is do we have enough protein? Then do we have enough carbs and fats? Is our micronutrient baseline good? And then do we have hydration? So a lot of people, um, when they're newer to the process, you know, they're like, oh, I want to work out so I can get stronger and build muscles and improve mobility. And they work out, but they eat like shit. And they eat ridiculously inconsistently. They only get like 80 grams of protein a day. Uh, you're not going to get anything from your training. You're, you're wasting your time. So there are psychological benefits. There are minor physical benefits. But you're not going to get anywhere near what you think you're going to get. You're going to be very disappointed. So when they start increasing protein, then the concern is they might start restricting carbs and fats because they don't want to get fat. So they're now eating enough protein, but they're not eating enough carbs and fats to actually fuel the building process. So that becomes a concern. Where most people gain weight is because they're inconsistent. They they skip a meal here or there. They overeat at one meal, undereat at another meal. They're just inconsistent. If you improve your consistency, you will improve your leanness. And then from being consistent, I would recommend that you balance out your calories and protein throughout the day. So we talk about this all the time. I know I'm a broken record. But the first six hours of being awake, eat a third of your calories and protein. The second six hours of being awake, eat a third of your calories and protein. The final amount of being awake, eat the final amount of calories and protein. If you space it out like that, you have the proper protein, the proper calories and and, uh, total, you're going to be fine. You're going to be very lean. You're not going to be gaining a bunch of body fat. So people who gain body fat unwantingly are either overeating or they're inconsistent eating. Okay. Next section we look at is recovery margin. Do we have enough sleep? Do we, are we managing our stress well enough? So our cortisol isn't so sky high and are we overdoing outside of workout activity? So these are components that I would look at sleep. We want to be getting, if you can, Uh, definitely not less than six hours a night. If you're getting less than six hours a night, um, you're going to have impaired growth for sure. If you're getting between six to eight hours, that's probably pretty good for most people. If you can get eight on average or even nine, that's great. (laughs) Um, When I've had clients who got IFBB Pro Cards and and drug-tested Pro Cards, 
uh, one of the things I'd always tell them all the time, I'm like, take naps, take naps, take naps. <laughs> I'm trying to push them to take naps all the time uh, because it brings down the CNS stress. It gives their body just a lowered caloric usage. The body can just focus on building tissue at that time. It just lets the body in a happier, calmer state. So I would always encourage people to sleep. Uh, you don't need to sleep more than 10 hours a day. That's definitely enough. So ideally, somewhere between 6 to 10 on average all the time. Then... If we look at stress, if you are constantly stressed out the wazoo, it's typically going to make you then miss workouts or miss nutrition. But let's say you're actually getting all your workouts in. You're actually hitting your protein and your calorie totals. You are taking a multivitamin and you're drinking fluid throughout the day. But you are just stressed beyond belief. You're high strung, stressed out all the time. You're going to be producing a lot of cortisol. You're going to be in constant fight or flight mode. And the body is going to have a lot of priorities to manage that are going to be above building new muscle tissue our body will rank things as in what keeps it alive right now <laughs> and the development of new tissue for future stress protection is not important if the current stress right now is sky high so we want to manage stress as much as we can I do have a podcast that can help give you some insight on how to do that. So let's uh, give you the number for that, Stress Management. And it would be podcast 1023. It's a mindset podcast titled Stress Management, Options and Priorities. So I would recommend you check that out. And then outside of workout activity, if you're doing a lot of activity, you're up and moving, going on walks, doing this and that. Um, like I know people who... Uh, work at um, fulfillment centers. I don't know if that's a proper terminology, but I think it is. So like Amazon, UPS, and all those things, uh, where they're just loading trucks all the time, or they work with a shipping company or something like that. I've worked with clients who are on their feet all the time for various things. And we just have to then eat more carbs and fats. You have to eat more food to make sure that there's still that caloric allowance to convert the protein over to muscle tissue. Okay. The last things I'm going to talk about are two separate areas of attention. Number one, consistency. None of these things matter if you're only doing them as like flash in the pans. So you check it, you're like, oh yeah, that looks pretty good. Yeah, right. You got to check your adherence. You got to make sure, okay, am I eating enough protein consistently? Am I eating enough calories consistently? Am I training in the proper intensity and the proper volume amount from week to week to week to week consistently? So consistency has to be in place for any of these things to actually be meaningful. You can't just check them off the box and then forget about them. They have to be maintained. So typically for all my clients, I would aim for nutrition. I want them to be adherent to their protein, their total calories, taking whatever supplements they do, and try to do that at least 10 out of 14 days. We track in weeks of two unit, uh, units of two weeks. There we go. Uh, 10 out of 14 is a minimum. 12 out of 14 would be what I'd really recommend. Is try to only miss your calories or protein or hydration or supplements only one day a week. Really try to be on top of that. Training-wise, um, you know, try not to miss more than one or two workouts a month. That Do what you can. And then if you mess up sleep, get it unmessed up as fast as you possibly can. Uh, stress, get that under control as much as you can. Uh, but... Consistency is important, and I want to mention that. So therefore, you have to track what you're doing. You have to actually track and log what you're doing so you know you're consistent. Don't just believe you are. Don't be the person who says, yeah, I eat healthy, but, oh, you know, I just don't see any results. Well, then you're probably jacking up your food. 
You're probably not doing as well as you think you are. Track what you're actually doing. See if you're actually adherent to your program. You're probably going to find out that you're not as adherent as you thought. So therefore, you clean that up and all of a sudden you get the progress that you've been missing. The last one I'm going to leave you with, hormones. So, the fun little topic here. Because if your testosterone, estrogen, thyroid, those elements are, are out of normal ranges, you're going to have trouble. It, things are just going to be a lot freaking slower or they're going to stagnate. As long as you're within generally accepted healthy ranges, you can make progress. The higher end of the ranges, the faster progress, for sure. That's why people take steroids. That's why people take exogenous, like outside of the body sources of testosterone, is if I get my testosterone high enough, my protein synthesis, the rate of protein synthesis becomes faster. If I take extra thyroid medicine or I take extra things that help, uh, quote unquote, burn body fat or utilize uh, like nutrients, it, there's a lot of science to it. But um, taking drugs that increase hormonal profile, that increase our um, like thyroid, do they help? Yeah, I mean, yes, that's why they're, you know, arguably billion dollar industry is it makes things happen faster. If you are not taking quote unquote steroids, can you still make progress? Hell freaking yes. Yes, absolutely you can. 100% yes you can. Again, I've helped clients who are drug tested get pro cards and they look freaking amazing. Males and females. They look absolutely what anyone who's ever come to me and said they want to look like. Yep, that's what they look like. So you can do it without drugs. 100%. If your hormones are less than the generally recommended healthy range, it's going to be slow going. It's going to be pretty crappy. So I would recommend that people, if you are struggling to make progress, that you get your hormones checked. Get your thyroid checked, get your testosterone, your estrogen. Uh, there's, uh, there's a mixture of those kind of things in there. Um, you want to get all those checked out. So that way you can see if you're within healthy ranges. If you are, well then make sure you check the other areas. Are you training enough? Are you eating enough? You know, those kind of things. If your hormones are not in the healthy range, I would recommend talking to a hormone specialist and seeing if there are options that you can do to try to get yourself more into a healthy range. Because that way the, the effort and the work that you're putting in, you're going to get more of an, uh, a result for it uh, that you are earning. You're just not seeing yet. I want to make sure that you get what you're earning. <laughs> so I would recommend people getting their hormones checked. Make sure you're within healthy ranges. If you're not, go talk to a hormone specialist and see what they can do for you. We do have podcast 1933, which is a Q&A podcast titled Nutrition and Training Adjustments for Low Testosterone. So if you have a uh, an unhealthy or a low amount of hormonal profile, like that's not optimized or not healthy, uh, you can check out podcast 1933 and it will help kind of explain what you can do. Okay. Hopefully that was good information. I know it might have been a lot. Let's see uh, kind of what we're at here time-wise. Ooh, geez, coming on 40 minutes. Okay, so definitely a lot. But hopefully it was good stuff. Hopefully it gave you some uh, context of what to focus into, what to look at, so that way if you are struggling with muscle growth, that now you have some ideas of where to look and what to adjust. If you have any questions, if you need anything, my email is brutalironjim at gmail.com. I always, always hope that you feel encouraged and welcomed to reach out. Please reach out if you need it. Okay. 
If you like the podcast, please share the podcast. If you like the podcast, please consider donating to support the podcast, which you can do on our website. Also, if you like the information we share in the podcast, you can find more from us on our social media channels. You can find us and follow us on Instagram and YouTube under the name Brutal Iron Jim. As always, I hope this was helpful, and thank you for listening.